Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. We invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to be our guide, to instruct us in righteousness, holiness, and truth. Enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all the things that pertain to life and godliness. Father, change us from glory to glory. We boldly say, as we receive truth from your word today, we will be changed and will never be the same again. Father, make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim truth with boldness and accuracy. Be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would please, to Genesis chapter 4. But I'm going to reiterate just a little bit before we get into what I want to talk about this morning, which involves demolishing emotional strongholds that have been built up within our lives. I'd like to begin by reiterating a few points that we've already made. This is a series of lessons that if you had to go to a counselor somewhere and pay for, you'd pay a thousand if not thousands, of dollars for the information. So, be blessed this morning. Amen? Be blessed and get your counsel from the Word of the living God. We've been looking at 3 John. There's only one chapter, verses 2 through 4. And in those verses, we are told that God wants us to prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. And He wants us to walk in the Word or in truth not according to our emotional feelings. Now, that verse is not talking about, Lord, heal me and give me money. The emphasis on that verse is on soul prosperity. Soul prosperity. We are responsible for the prosperity of our soul. That is, to control our emotional feelings. And we have to understand that if we don't control and manage our emotional feelings and keep them in check then they are going to dictate to our lives and govern our lives. And they are going to be responsible for our making wrong choices and wrong decisions in our lives. They will also prevent us from experiencing the fullness of God's blessings in our lives. And so we don't want to be controlled or influenced by our emotional feelings to make wrong choices and decisions. Also, we don't want them to prevent us from experiencing God's best, now do we? Now, the secret to soul prosperity is to understand that the soul is comprised or made up of three elements. The mind, the will, and the emotions. The mind involves our intellect. And we've got to teach our minds the Word of God. We call it renewing our minds to the Word of God. And then we have the will that needs to be established in the will of God. Remember, Jesus says, not my will be done, but thine will be done. And so we must establish our will and line it up. That's the decisive part of us. But then we have our emotions, which are the responsive part of us. And our emotions, once again, think they are to rule or reign over our lives. And the question we have to ask ourselves every day, who died and made our emotions king? Think about it. You get up in the morning on a blue Monday and you feel blue. Well, who died and made your emotions king? 
they ought not to dictate to our lives because if they do, we'll get into a whole lot of trouble. Now, the secret to controlling the emotions is to know that I am not an emotion. Would you say that with me? I am not an emotion. We're not an emotion. We're a new creation. And as a new creation, our emotions are to be governed by the Word of God. And the same Word of God that renews our minds is the same Word of God that can control our emotions and manage our emotions if we submit our emotions to God for sanctification. And so that is our responsibility. Now, our emotional feelings can be impacted by a variety of things. The weather. Now, I guarantee you, if you've been around for the last week, maybe 10 days, you know the weather changed. And those couple of 70 days, 60, high 60 days, man, you got some spring fever. Anybody admit that? And you felt pretty good about those warm days. How, how did you feel when you woke up this morning and you saw a little bit of snow and it was like almost, probably the wind chill was below zero? Just excited, weren't you? Just elated, right? Can't wait to get out there with my shorts on and just have a wonderful day. You didn't feel like that at all. Now you had the blahs and you said, oh man, how many more weeks do we have? of winter. Your emotions are affected by the weather. Our emotions are also affected, let's say, by bad news. Anybody ever get bad news? And your emotions begin to go berserk on you? Ever uh, have someone look at you funny? Anyone? Thoughts come to your mind when someone looks at you funny? They give you that funny look and all of a sudden, why they look at me like that? Did they mean to look at me like that? I feel a little bit slighted. I feel a little bit frustrated. I feel a little bit whatever because so-and-so looked at me a certain way. You know what? Maybe they didn't even know they did it. We'll get to that in a minute. But our emotional feelings are affected by a variety of things. Words really impact our emotions. And I thank God for the good news of His Word because good news is designed to help us keep our emotions in check so that we have an anchor for the soul and we're not vacillating from the emotional highs and lows of our lives. If we allow those emotions to control us and to govern our lives, beloved, we will be in a heap of trouble and we will prevent ourselves from experiencing God's best. Now, we can't be responsible for how our feelings come to us you can't be responsible for how someone looks at you or for what someone says to you. But did you notice that when those emotional feelings come to you, you're responsible for what you do with them? Absolutely. So am I. We're responsible for what we do with our emotional feelings. Now, you might be sitting out there and saying, Pastor, do you have all your emotional feelings under control and have you kept them in check yet? If you had to wait for me to do that, we wouldn't teach this lesson ever. Or maybe I'll be 90. But does it mean we shouldn't teach it? Does it mean we shouldn't study it? Does it mean that we shouldn't look at it and encourage each of us to do something about controlling our emotional feelings before they control us? Absolutely not. We've got to teach it because it's truth from the Word of God. In the book of Genesis in chapter 4, uh, really it's all the first eight verses, but I won't take the time to go through all those verses. We'll pick it up at verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt, or shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, 
sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with, his, with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Some people think that they are powerless to manage their emotional feelings. That they dictate to their lives because that's who I am. And if I feel this way, I have to do what my feelings dictate. There was a time in our society when the motto was, if it feels good, do it. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a lie. There's a lot of things that can feel good that are not right. We're not an emotion and our emotional feelings are not a safe guide. We can't go by them. Well, if we are incapable of or powerless to control our emotional feelings, you know what? We're victims to whatever affects them. Whatever affects my emotional feelings then has power over me and authority over me. I'm not even in control of my own life because I can't control what people do and what people say. So therefore, if I can't control that and they're going to say things to trigger off all these horrible emotional feelings in me, well, I'm a victim. I've got to play out or act out how I feel. Now, if you're a person that says, I always speak my mind, make sure your mind's renewed. I always say what's in my heart. Make sure your heart's got the Word of God in it and the love of God in it. But it makes me feel a whole lot better when I vent. Well, make sure that when you vent, you vent the love of God. Because you're hurting 20 people in the process of your venting. And a wise man will hold his feelings back, but a fool will vent all his feelings. The book of Proverbs tells us. Here, we understand that Cain was disturbed in his emotions because of something God said. What did God say to him that disturbed him? His offering wasn't accepted. So what did he feel? He had feelings of rejection. He had feelings of depression. He said, the Bible says his countenance fell. He was depressed. He felt rejected. He felt anger and jealousy toward his brother. And so here, all these emotional feelings are coming to him and they're rising up in his soul. Maybe before he brought the offering to the Lord, maybe he was pleased with what he was doing. He felt good about himself. But when God accepted Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's offering, all of a sudden, in a heartbeat, you notice how quickly his emotional feelings changed based on the word that he heard. I don't accept this offering. There are many, let's say, reasons why. Maybe we don't know the exact reason. Maybe it wasn't the right offering. Maybe it was his attitude in which he presented his offering before the Lord. But for whatever reason, the Bible says that God didn't accept his, his offering. And so he felt all these emotional feelings in his life, and he could not control them. His countenance fell. And what does God ask him? You talk about the greatest counselor. God's the greatest counselor. He says, why? Cain why has your countenance fallen? Why are you jealous? Why are you angry? In other words, identify the root problem. Why are you the way you are right now? And actually, God is the one who encourages him to do the right thing and pull out of that emotional condition. Look at over there in, in, in verse uh, uh, 6. And the Lord said to Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shalt thou not be accepted. In other words, if you do the right thing, you're going to be accepted. Your sacrifice will be accepted and everything's going to change for the better. 
and everything will be okay. God was encouraging him to do the right thing and not to allow his emotional feelings to dictate to his life. Well, he was given a chance to control his emotional feelings and desires, but I want you to see this. He didn't do it. Verse 7. If thou doest well, wilt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well. If thou doest not. In other words, if you don't do anything about controlling your emotional feelings and desires, what's going to happen? Let me read it to you from the NIV. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And the answer is yes. But if you do not, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Sin is crouching at the door to your emotional feelings and desires, lurking about your emotional feelings and desires, and sin wants to have you. It desires to control you, to push you where you shouldn't be, to lead you where you shouldn't go, to have you do what you shouldn't do and have you say what you shouldn't say. Sin is lurking at the door or at the entrance to your emotional feelings and desires to get you to do the wrong thing. But he says, you must, you must. Everybody say, I must. I must master it. I must. He said, look, Cain, you must master it. Well, he didn't master his emotional feelings. Now, our emotional feelings are a definite part of our lives. We cannot challenge that. We know that they're there and that they exist. But, beloved, we cannot yield to them when they're out of control. Whenever we feel emotional desires that are so strong... I believe with all my heart, it's at that time we really got to take a step back and do everything within our power and strength by the grace of God to see to it that we don't yield to them. Because this is exactly what Cain did. He yielded to his emotional feelings. He was depressed. He was jealous. He got angry. He felt rejection. How did he play this out? He killed his brother. Our emotional feelings can lead us into making wrong decisions and choices in life. Hey, if it feels good, do it. How does that fit in here? It felt good to him to take his brother's life. It gave him a sense of satisfaction. He is now in control of the situation. See, he played this out. You know, he set the stage for a horrible existence for himself, a horrible life. How many people are sitting behind jail bars right now because they failed to control their emotional feelings and desires? Cain's unwillingness to manage his emotional feelings set the course for a horrible existence in his life. Beloved, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would, please, because I believe that there's going to come light to us that will enable us and help us better understand how we as as new creations having or possessing emotional feelings can rise up to a place where we can yield our emotional feelings not to the enemy but to God to be used to glorify God and bring forth the presence of God through our lives now listen carefully those of you that hunger and thirst and you're crying out for more of God What are we really crying out for? Can we identify that? Can we define that? What we're saying is we want to experience more of God inwardly so we can bring forth more of God 
through our lives outwardly. Well, this is the process. God's in our spirit. And he wants to manifest himself through our flesh. But the means by which he does that is through our soul. The soul can be used to glorify God and bring forth the character of God. Or the soul can be used to bring forth the nature of an unregenerate individual. Passions and desires and feelings that are contrary to the word and will of God can be brought forth. And you know what? When that happens, it discredits our testimony. It discredits our witness. And it can bring reproach to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we don't want to do that. In the book of 2 Corinthians, in chapter 10, we're going to look at some scriptures that will help us destroy emotional strongholds that have developed in our lives over the years and then regain control over our emotional feelings so that they can be used to glorify God, so that they can be used to serve us, so they can be used to motivate others and not bring forth that which is contrary to the will of the living God. And I believe it's important that each and every one of us makes a decision That my emotional feelings are going to be used to serve me. I'm not serving my emotional feelings. You know, we can make a decision as individuals that we are not going to bring forth anything like murder. When people don't control their emotional feelings, they commit murder. Some commit suicide. Some steal. Some talk bad about other people. Some have rage and uncontrolled anger. Some abuse other people. Some commit infidelity. Yes, infidelity. Why? Because they have been deluded into thinking that their emotional feelings are really them, themselves. Listen carefully. You may have a feeling towards someone, but that feeling can be out of line with the Word of God and the will of God. You can have feelings of anger. You can have feelings of jealousy. You can also have feelings of lust or passion. Does it mean if it feels good, do it? But I feel attracted to someone who is not my husband. Or I feel attracted to someone who is not my wife. If it's a strong feeling, you better do something about that. You better bring that thing under control. You better harness that thing. And don't allow that thing to dictate to your life. Because if you do, it'll lead you down a wrong path. It'll destroy your life. It'll destroy your family. How many children have been destroyed in their emotions, in their lives, because parents, one or another, decided that my desire to be self-centered and selfish and self-willed, to pursue another relationship apart from my marital relationship, is what I'm looking for in life. Deluded into thinking that this is really me. This is who I am. Beloved, listen carefully. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And we're not to serve our emotional feelings. Our emotional feelings are to serve us. Make a decision that you're not going to be one given over to those kinds of feelings that will lead you into infidelity. As a a wife and as a mother, make certain that you choose that you're not going to be an irritable, resentful, screaming wife and mother that you may think you have the right to do so, to act that way and all that. But remember, all that is is uncontrolled emotional feelings. And those feelings should be like a bright neon sign saying to every single one of us, something is wrong in my spirit. 
Something is wrong in my walk with God. I shouldn't be acting like this. I shouldn't be so irritable. I shouldn't be so frustrated. I should not be venting all these feelings and emotions. So get back to the drawing board with God. Submit yourself to Him and give yourself over to, to, to His Spirit. Allow His Spirit to influence your emotional feelings. And then instead of serving your emotional feelings, they'll serve you. And you'll bring forth the glory of God. Now, some of you are sitting out there, some of you women saying, why'd you pick on us wives? Well, us husbands and fathers have no right to be detached, moping around the house, individuals looking for sympathy from somebody because of how we feel. And we've all been there before. And honey, don't you say a word. Have you ever moped around before because you didn't get your way? Maybe your supper wasn't on the table. Hmm? Maybe she didn't say hello like you wanted her to say hello when you walked in the door. How much she appreciates you and bow down before you and just hallelujah. My man is home. Glory to God. She didn't treat you like the king that you are. Build up your ego and let you know. Let me see that bicep, honey. Let me see it twice. So we're going to mope around the house for the rest of the day because, hmm, she didn't say a word like that to me. Let's get to the verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Here is something added to the dimension of our soul that needs to be brought out right now so that we could better understand how to incorporate faith into our lives and also how to bring down emotional strongholds that have been built up in our lives either through thoughts Images, people saying things about us, or whatever. The enemy knows how we work too well. And he's, he knows exactly how this program works. And you'll see in a moment how he targets every one of our lives to get us to see ourselves in an improper or bad light. Notice in these verses that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God. We cannot defeat these things with carnal, fleshly weapons. We don't have grenades to blow up that are spiritual. We don't have spiritual arrows, so to speak, unless we look at the Word of God and call that our spiritual arrow. We have got words, thoughts, that produce images. And he says here in these verses that it's important we understand how to use the weapons of our warfare so we can bring down strongholds that war against the mind in effort to build within our minds strongholds or fortified places where the enemy can operate from. Man, if he knows that you are given to anger, I'm telling you, he's going to bring the most frustrating people into your life that you have ever known. If he's no, he knows that you're given over to jealousy, he's going to make certain that somebody talks sweet to your wife today. I don't know where all this is coming from, but the point is, 
every one of us, this is, this is not talking about devils. There, there was a group thinking that we're talking about strongholds that are up there. And these are demon powers and all that. Beloved, this is not talking about up there. This is talking about up here. I'm not saying we can't use the law of double reference, but this is talking about us doing something about the strongholds that have been built up in our minds. You know what? You can have imaginations in your mind that don't even exist. See, the imagination is the closest thing to faith. Faith, really, the the association between faith involves the imagination. The way we see things, the way we envision things in our mind. It's called our mind's eye. So now we have the mind, the will, and the emotions, and now we have imagination or images that are produced. I like to say it this way. Thoughts produce images that paint pictures upon the canvas of the heart. Thoughts produce images or imaginations that paint pictures upon the canvas of the heart. How does that happen? Through words. See, the enemy knows this process too well. And so what he wants us to do is see ourselves in a bad light. Who are you? You're nobody. You're nobody special. No one really cares about you. I mean to tell you, you can go to church today. People won't even look at you. You watch. They won't even say hi to you. Nobody's going to shake your hand or anything like that. And they'll probably talk about you once you walk away. And so the thought comes and the thought is in the mind. And all of a sudden, the person takes the bite or the bait. Bites the bait and says, huh, huh, yeah, that's right. And they're waiting for the next look from the next person. And that person's probably so consumed with their own life, they might have been playing something out in their own mind, like their kid gave them a hard time last night, and they probably got some kind of look on their face, and they thought it was for them. And it wasn't for them. And so it goes from a thought to an image. See, I, I think she's looking at me funny. What I think she... Did you see how she looked at me? All of a sudden, it's not that she just looked at you funny. Now, she detests you. She hates your guts. She's going around town, spreading all around the town all this stuff about you. She can't wait to see you again tonight. That's why you're not coming back. And you got this image of yourself staying home from church tonight because this person who has no clue as to what you're thinking in your mind was used by the enemy to put a thought in your mind and paint a picture on your heart and you've got this thing down pat. I mean, you know all about it right now, you see, because you've got an image of it. You see it happen. You see her going on people's house, knocking on their doors. Do you know so-and-so? You see her calling. You can actually see her in your mind's eye calling. See, faith envisions. Faith sees. Faith perceives, and you see it happening. You see it happening in your mind's eye, and you just know that it's so. You know what you got now? Stronghold. You know that word stronghold is a powerful word? It's a powerful word, and what it means is a fortified place. It means a strong city like a castle with all the men up on top with their weapons ready to fight. Amen. Where did this time go? And if you can envision this, it's like your enemy up on a wall. Like, say, say the walls. I, we'll say it this way, like Fort Knox. Fort Knox. Sometimes we wonder why husbands and, and wives think this about each other. Boy, he's got a hard head. No, he's got a Fort Knox head. No, you know what I mean by a Fort Knox head? 
Man, we got this thing so pictured in our mind and so established it has now become a stronghold within our minds. And the enemy knows this. If I can just paint a picture of them being sick and never getting well, I've got a stronghold in their lives. It's like Fort Knox. Now listen carefully. And the enemy's all the way up on top of that wall, on, on all the walls around the city. And you know what they're doing? They're firing their darts. They're firing their darts. They're firing their darts. They're firing their darts. And all the darts represent thoughts. The thoughts. It's a fortified place in so-and-so's mind. Are you ready? I'm sick. I'm always going to be sick. I'm never going to get well. You're never going to get healed. It's not God's will to heal you. Now, listen. It involves either our emotional feelings or our intellect. You see, the will is the decisive part of us, but the emotion is the responsive part of us. And imagination is the part of us that sees what's fed into it. And if we start hearing things that are negative, it produces within us an image of ourselves as being unworthy, low self-esteem, not worth a hill of beans or anything like that. You know, and we, we think that in our minds and we now have this emotional feeling that people are against me. People don't like me. So we don't want to be around people. And all of a sudden we have a stronghold here and all these darts continue to flow and fire from our thought life into our life. And we're controlled by that emotional feeling. And people that are that way, beloved, have a problem in their mind and they don't realize it. And the Bible says pulling down these strongholds and pulling down means to destroy utterly. To wipe out till nothing else exists. The way to pull them down is we have got to begin to do the opposite of what the enemy has done. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Our emotions are designed to respond to what the mind thinks and the imagination Notice the imagination envisions and what the will decides. Our emotions are designed by God to respond to what? To what the mind thinks, to what the imagination envisions, and to what the will decides. Now listen carefully. Joshua and Caleb made it into the promised land, but the other ten spies and the others did not. Why? If you go back there and study it, because the others had a mindset that was established on their inabilities. They're incapable of taking the land, is exactly what they said. Where did they get that mindset? Where did it come from? It was a slave mentality that they had in Egypt. They saw themselves as slaves, they lived as slaves. They were enslaved, they were beaten, they were misused, they were abused, and the list goes on and on. And so they saw themselves as incapable. So the thoughts were there. It produced an image in their lives. See, the image, the imagination envisions. And they saw themselves unable. They saw themselves incapable. It produced, everybody say this with me, a high thing. Say it out loud, a high thing. You know what a high thing is? It's a mood. It's a demeanor. See, they were acting out. Their emotional feelings were acting out. Trying to respond to what the mind thinks. The imagination envisions. And what the will decides. 
They came back from spying out that land, and you know what they said? Oh, it's a wonderful land, a lot of blessings in it, but we're incapable of entering in because we don't have what it takes. We're too small. They're too big. We can't do it. And the list goes on and on. That was a stronghold in their minds. Joshua and Caleb were of the same bunch. They were in the same place. But they had a different perspective. They envisioned something else. Why? Because they fed on something else. Thoughts and emotions are together. They feed off of one another. They grow together. You keep saying the thing over and over and over and over and over again, and they're going to grow and get stronger and stronger and stronger. We can't do it. We can't do it. There is no way. We just can't do it. We're not going to make it. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough, etc., etc., etc. There's a strong, there's a high thing. I'll show you, it was, if we had time to go back there, it was a high thing. When Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it, their attitude showed up immediately. No, we can't. And they got stones to stone them. That's an attitude. Don't you mess with my fortified place. Don't you mess with my mind, my way of thinking. That's why we've had such trouble convincing people of the faith walk and the faith message because they think that you're talking about denying your emotional feelings and we're not. We're talking about confronting them. When Joshua stood before Jericho's walls, did he say, you don't exist, you don't exist, I deny you, I deny... Did he do that? Uh-uh. He stood before those walls of Jericho. They confronted those walls of Jericho. Faith does not deny. Faith confronts. Faith attacks. Faith says, I'm demolishing you. You're coming down. If you have a stronghold of anger, if you have a stronghold of jealousy, if you have a stronghold of uh, you feel bad about yourself, self-pity, or a bad self-image and self-esteem, if you see yourself sick, unable to get well, unable to get healed, unable to get whole, if you see yourself poor, impoverished, there was a lady on the street in New York City, and I walked up to her, she was a street lady, I remember vividly, she's lying under a tree, and I knelt down on my knees right in front of her. And I said, look, I want you to look at me. And she looked up at me and I said, first of all, I want to give you some money. I gave her some money. And I said, now, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. I want you to know that God loves you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. She looked up at me and she said, I want to tell you something. My grandmother was poor. My mom and dad were poor. I'm poor. And I'm dying poor. She had an arsenal up there. <laughs> Cannons, nuclear bombs. Not only is it an emotional feeling, but it's also a mindset of intelligence. That's, you know Paul's talking about blowing apart established ways of thinking? In the, in the NIV, I believe it talks about an argument. An argument is a well-thought-out plan or way of thinking. That's what an argument is. A well-thought-out way of thinking. For example, you can't get healed because it's not the will of God to heal you. It's not His will. You know, the enemy uses that kind of a strategy to put a stronghold in your mind to make you think that you're not supposed to get healed or receive from God. That woman had it implanted within her from her grandmother, her mother, and now herself that she's supposed to be poor and she's supposed to die poor. I said, lady, it doesn't have to be that way. Get out of here. Don't bother me anymore. They were poor. I'm poor. I'm going to die poor. Wouldn't it be nice just to have some kind of a, if we can manufacture this, some kind of a machine where you can split the brain, cut the head open, pull out that stronghold, 
and do a transplant and put in a renewed mind. Sew that thing back up. She looks at me and she says, hey, Jesus is my Lord. Thank God I can prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. I thank God that Jesus loves me enough to die for me and gave his life for me and just go on and just speak what the Word of God says. Well, I wish we had more time to, to really pursue much of this, but before we do close this, uh, I, I want us to share, I'm going to share real quick, quickly, some things that will help us overcome satanic strongholds built up within the mind of the individual so that when we are confronting our feelings and emotions, we know how to keep them in check and deal with them so that they don't lead us down a wrong path and help and, and lead us to making wrong decisions. Number one, we have to identify the root cause of our feelings. Identify the root cause of my feeling. Am I feeling this way because so-and-so looked at me funny? I got a problem then. Something is wrong with me. You know why? It may be true that she did look at you funny for a reason. It may be true that she didn't look at you funny and there was no reason behind it. But you know what? The remedy is still the same regardless. If she looked at you funny for a reason, Jesus is your source. God is your security. You don't need acceptance by anybody else but Him. Somebody say amen. amen. That's why people say, well, how can you just go up there and say, well, I'll preach when you know, all these people just want to just come against you and just, you know, choke your whatever. If I had to find my fulfillment and satisfaction in people, that'd be a sorry thing, wouldn't it? Because people are just not going to do that. I mean, thank God for people that like you, but there's going to be people that don't like you. People love Jesus. People didn't like Jesus. So identify the root cause. Get down to the root cause. Stop taking off the flowers from the dandelion. Get down there to the root system and pull the whole thing out. That's why people go back into the things that they used to go back into. Well, anyhow, what I'm saying is if it was, if it was true that she felt that way about you, you know what? You ready for this? You ever hear the term blitz? Blitz? A football term. So for some of you ladies out there, just to help you out just a little bit. And what it is this? The defense is anticipating the offense is going to throw a pass because it's a, maybe a third and long situation. And so the strategy of the defense is to get as many people coming to overpower the offensive line to get to the quarterback before he throws the ball and sack him. That's, that's the strategy behind the blitz. And so the idea is to overpower that line by having more men up front and one of them will escape and get in quick enough to get the quarterback. You know, we have to blitz our minds. If we think wrong, we have got to blitz our mind at the level of a thought. When it's only a thought, that's the best time to destroy that emotional feeling. Right there at that level of a thought. And start blitzing the mind with things like this. I'm not a fearful person. God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. Thank God that my God's on my side. I won't be dismayed. I won't be full of fear. He'll help me, strengthen me, uphold me with the right hand of His righteousness. And keep on blitzing your mind when it's at the level of a thought with the Word of God until you utterly destroy the emotional feeling and eradicate it completely from your life. Number two, find out who you are in Christ. Find out what the Word says about who you are in Christ. That's where your significance is. That is where your peace is. 
start seeing yourself, envisioning yourself as somebody who is more than a conqueror, someone who is well able to overcome like Joshua and Caleb. Start seeing yourself as a king and a priest before God, as a joint heir with Jesus, as the righteousness of God in Christ. Somebody accepted in the beloved and start bombarding your mind with those thoughts until your, your thought life is overcome, not by the negative input, but by the positive input from the Word of God. Number three, call an all-out war against your emotional feelings. Confront the way you are. If you're a person given to anger, if you're a person given to lust, if you're a person given to whatever, start challenging that mindset. Challenge that stronghold with the Word of God and say, not today, no longer will I yield to you. Beloved, if we'll do it at this level, we'll prevent it from getting to a place where you're going to need medical help or counseling, professional counseling. If you've got to look at that drug and speak to that drug and say, no, no longer will you dominate my life. I don't need you for satisfaction. I don't need you for fulfillment. I thank my God that through Jesus Christ I have the victory and stronghold. You are coming down in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to think that way anymore. I'm not going to act that way anymore. I depend on God and on Him alone. And say it out. Call an all-out war against those emotional feelings. If it's sickness or disease, or if it's poverty and lack, do the same thing. I'm speaking. It's like the walls of Jericho. I am speaking to you in the name of Jesus and bombard it with the Word of God. Meditate in the Word that applies to your situation. Take three or four or five Scriptures. Gary Bruno gave his testimony yesterday at the men's ministry and he talked about how when he had fallen out of the tree and broke his back that he had at least three powerful scriptures that he took and even though the the doctor had different words to speak to him and even though all his friends had different words to speak to him saying you're going to have back trouble this is going to happen later down the road etc etc he said no 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 that's not true it's not going to happen Not only did he recover much more quickly than what they anticipated that he would. How many years, Gary? 11 years now? How many years? Almost 12 years. You know what? All the symptoms they said he would have in his body, he doesn't have. Because he didn't let those initial thoughts become what? Imaginations, seeing himself unable to walk because of the broken back and now all the arthritis and all this different stuff is going to sit He refused to see that. He refused to envision himself that way. He saw himself another way. Meditation will help us do this. Do do you see this? Okay. And then he kept on speaking the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, taking that network of Scriptures and saying, I'm going to demolish that kind of mentality. I demolish that kind of thinking before it becomes a stronghold in my mind and it plays out in my life. I'll tell you what, and for a guy who wants men, most men want sympathy. Come on. Come on, man. You know, a wife can have a cold and she could be under the weather and she could be under attack and she's got to do the laundry and she's got to carry three kids under one arm and she's got the, the, everything else in the other arm and all that. You know, and, and she's still functional. Functional. Going to town, doing the work, getting it all done. Maybe I'll, I don't feel real great and all that stuff. A guy comes home with a little sniffle. Oh. Oh. Passes out on the bed. 
Can't do a thing, honey. Sometimes I wonder, did God make us that way or what? I mean, that's why women have babies, I guess, and men don't. Can you see a man? Can you, can you even envision a man? Oh, my heavens. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. We won't even go there, will we? Wow. Number five, see yourself possessing the promise of God. See yourself a different... You, you know what? If you can't see it, you won't have it. If you can't see it in your mind's eye, you won't possess it. See yourself whole. See yourself like our brother said. I see myself recovering. This man went out and, and, and with, a, with a brace on, with a broken back, and was splitting wood after four weeks with a brace on. Nobody thought that a brace was, you know, hindering his wood activity. He took it off. He's supposed to keep it on for eight weeks to ten weeks, possibly. And when he went back, the doctor said, amazed to him because he saw, what he saw there was unbelievable how his back healed. And if he didn't believe it, he wouldn't have believed it. Was that all just happenstance? He took the word of God, applied the word of God that he had heard to the situation of his life and refused to have a stronghold for the enemy inside of his mind that would say to him, you can't walk, you're never going to do it, this, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. He said, no, 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 forget it. Number six, speak out your desires in your own words and feelings. Speak out your desires. If, saints, please, I'm not talking about blabbing it and grabbing it and naming it and claiming it. But if we don't change our vocabulary, if we don't change our speech... If we don't change what we say about things, we're turning ourselves over to the same process in reverse. You've got to start saying, I don't see myself that way. When feelings of anger come, anger, feelings of anger, I confront you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not an angry person and I will not be given to angry. I refuse to be given to anger. See what you're doing? You are taking your emotions and you're bringing them under control. Sickness and disease, I know there's a feeling behind you, but, and I know I feel it. I'm not denying it, but I want you to know that I am calling an all-out war against you with the Word of God. And I'm putting inside my mind, and I'm envisioning in my heart, I'm a well person. I'm a whole person. Number seven, praise and worship. Oh, I cannot begin to tell you. Praise and worship. Praise and worship. Do you know God inhabits the praises of His people? How many of you know that? He inhabits the praises of His people. And when people praise God, you know that woman that looked at you? See, some of you already thought someone looked at you today just because I said that. You know that woman we're talking about thought looked at you and gave you that cross look or whatever? Probably just in the imagination wasn't even true. You know what? Father, I praise you for sister so-and-so. Father, I thank you for sister so-and-so. I thank you for sister so-and-so's life. I thank you for her looks. I thank you for the way she looks at people. I refuse to accept the fact that she looked at me with a cross look on her face. I refuse to accept the fact that she was doing something that was disrespectful to me. As far as I'm concerned, I just thank you for sister so-and-so. And, you know, I just believe, Father God, that, that you're blessing her in her life. You know, when you start doing that, what you're doing, you're singing and glorifying God, praising God for somebody else. You know what you're doing? You're opening up a highway, first of all, to protect yourself. And then for God to move upon sister so-and-so. And you know what? You won't be talking about people that you pray for and praise God for. Will you? No, you'd be speaking in a positive light about them. 
And then, finally, like I said, you'll pay thousands of dollars for this kind of information. If you had to go to a counselor that charges, refuse, everybody say refuse, to accept the thoughts that will surely come back. Because you see, the thought's going to come back at a certain time, at a later time in your life. It's going to come back. Maybe five weeks down the road, thought's going to come back. And the enemy will try to use the very same process or procedure by which he got a stronghold in the first place. I'll show you something we can all relate to. Your feelings and emotions. You're jealous over something. And you finally got to the place that you've conquered jealousy. But then five weeks later, something happens and a thought comes back to your mind. And all of a sudden, it triggers off every emotion of jealousy that your body possesses that your soul possesses, what do you do then? Do you say it didn't work? No. Do you say I'm defeated? No. You're still an emo- you have emotions, so you're a new creation with emotions, and our emotions are a part of us. You stop right there and say, I resist you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I give no place to you. I refuse to honor you. You are a servant to me. I'm not a servant to you. I put you in your proper place by the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll overcome. Praise the worship team, if you would, please. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together here this morning. I pray that this teaching is doing some benefit to your life. I mean, if it just causes something to happen positive in your life, I know it'll be all worth it all. I believe that God is moving into family units in a powerful way. And that's why I keep emphasizing this. You know, husbands and wives, we've got to take this to heart and not live by our emotional feelings. And like I said, we don't have it perfected yet, but this is the procedure whereby we're going to achieve success in attempting it. And so God wants us to do so. He wants us to continue following these steps. And I'm going to go over these steps again and maybe expound a little bit more on each of them so that we can be armed with what is necessary for us to overcome our emotional feelings. Too many marriages end in divorce because of not controlling emotional feelings. Too many relationships end up on a sour note because we can't control our emotional feelings. Too many jobs have been lost because someone doesn't control his emotional feelings. Too many young people have an attitude because they haven't kept in check their emotional feelings. You know, mom or dad says something, all of a sudden they cop an attitude. You know that expression, cop an attitude? Mm-hmm. I, I, I was a teenager well, not too many years ago, a few, <laughs> few years ago, and I know exactly the feeling. You know, your flesh doesn't like to be told it's wrong. You know that? You know your flesh wants to be in control. And when your flesh feels sick, it wants to have a sick party. And when your emotions feel blue, they want a blue Monday. And they also want to pick me up. And you don't want to go there where they want you to get picked up. Because you will get picked up. Probably by the police. Let's stand together before the Lord. Emotional feelings have got to be held in check. We're here to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. And this is going to be our ministry. In other words, whatever you need is fulfilled right here in this supper. Did you know that? You need healing this morning? It's right here in this supper. 
You need emotional wholeness, it's right here in this supper. Whatever you need, it's found right here in this supper. And as we participate in this celebration of the Lord's Supper, let us be mindful of the fact that it is complete. And all that we desire, all that we ever look to God for is found right here. And as our ushers come, if you would please, uh, number one, I just want to state that too often when the Lord's Supper is celebrated, people are not prepared or they don't understand exactly what they're doing. And I don't want that to happen to us here this morning. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we have to keep three things in mind. Number one, this is an act of worship. I mean a sincere act of worship by which we remember and commemorate the life and the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, acknowledging Him as the only source for our salvation. That in itself is an awesome statement. We are commemorating, we are remembering as we celebrate this supper, the one who gave his life, the one who, who gave his life's work for us so that we could be saved. You will spend your eternity in glory all because of what this supper represents. And Jesus says every time you do it, remember who? Remember him. We're to remember him. Number two, it is a fellowship of sharing. And caring. You go back to the Corinthian church, and when they celebrated the Lord's Supper back in those days, you know what they did? They first of all had a feast, a big feast. At the end of the feast, they had the Lord's Supper. Well, during the feast, there wasn't much sharing, there wasn't much caring, there wasn't much love, and there wasn't much unity. Some ate till they got full, and some drank till they got drunk. Others didn't eat. Because they were poor and they didn't drink because they had none. And then they celebrated the Lord's Supper as if, oh, this is great. And Paul condemned that kind of participation. This is sharing and caring. And the reason why we wait to pass out all the emblems is because it lets us know that we need each other. We're a part of each other. We care for each other. We love each other. We're to share with each other. If you see somebody in need, if they need some food, clothing, or whatever, be a part of, of, of the body and the ministry of mercy and of love. And reach out and help somebody and bless somebody else. And number three, it is also a time of examination and evaluation. It's a time I examine and evaluate my life in general. My walk with Jesus in general. My loves, the loves of my heart, my devotion to Him and His work, my aspirations. What am I really wanting in life? Beloved, we're not waiting on God. Anyone that says, I'm waiting on God. No, God is waiting on us to advance toward Him, to take Him at His word, to say, I'm coming in, to know you better, to walk with you. And you're going in with the Scripture. You're going in with the Word. Where's your heart devotion? Are we sincere in love toward one another? Are we forgiving one another? Are we serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Are our priorities in order? Real quick, number one, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. My first priority. Number two, I love my wife like Christ loves the church. Number three, 
our children. Number four, our jobs. Number five, the church that we belong to, to participate in some way to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. Ready for number six? Self. Everybody say self. Where is self on that list? It's where it should be. God first. Your mate second. Children third. Your job fourth. Your church fifth. Yourself. I think it's like that because he knew there wouldn't be much time to get there. So we're going to wait together. We're going to remember Jesus right now. We're going to receive from this celebration all the strength, all the power, the healing virtue. We're going to pull down strongholds from the mind that says God doesn't want to bless you. God doesn't want you well. God doesn't want to make you whole. Who are we kidding? That's a stronghold of the enemy. Man, this celebration, he that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall He not with Him freely give us all things? Amen. We're going to wait till we're served together. And then we're going to participate. We're going to remember Jesus. We're going to take the cup. And then we're going to celebrate. We're going to remember Jesus. We're going to pass the cups to the center aisle. And we are going to praise. And I believe as we praise during this celebration of the Lord's Supper. Are you ready, saints? I believe if this is an act of worship, and God would have us the praises of His people. If we know what we're doing, we're going to have a manifestation of God's presence here. This, are you ready? I know that there are some beliefs that think that this is the actual body and blood of Christ. We know that it's just symbolical. But listen carefully. There's an element of truth to the fact that when you celebrate it, He's right there. Real, in a real way. See, someone says, show me yourself in a real way. Right here. Let your faith envision when you participate the very life of God and of Christ coming into your inner being. And when you take that cup and you drink from that cup, it's just envision God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit entering into your being, flooding your soul, renewing your mind, renewing your emotions. Just see Jesus on the throne of your heart. And tell them I live for you, Lord. Amen. Brothers, if you would, you can be seated. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.